turn in your other Bibles or turn in your um, devices or whatever you have to follow along. We're at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And um, we are going to see what happens to the uh, disciples. The disciples uh, of Jesus have been um, commissioned by Him to be witnesses. That's the, uh, that was the, that was the, the, the mission that Paul gave them, excuse me, that Jesus gave them. We'll get to Paul later on, sorry. Um, he's in the future. Um, but Jesus gave them a mission, you will be my witnesses. And then he ascended. He ascended to heaven. And the disciples uh, were standing around going, okay, well, what next? And they needed a little encouragement. Remember, they needed the angels to say, hey, stop looking around in the sky. Uh, Jesus is going to come back like you saw him leave. But you get back to Jerusalem and start obeying. Do what he told you to do. Get, get busy with the preparation for the mission. Remember how they prepared? How did they prepare for the mission? They prayed. They were praying. They, they were all together. Kind of like the song we just sang. We're all together, together, waiting here as one, waiting for the promise, waiting for the promise of the Father uh, that Jesus said was going to come to them. And then we saw last week how the disciples, um, they were not inactive in their waiting and preparing and praying. Um, in fact, they looked around and they, and they realized um, through, through Peter, uh, they realized, hey, you know, all of the stuff that has happened to us, uh, the stuff that happened to Jesus, um, the stuff that happened to Judas, the betrayer who betrayed Jesus and then in his hopelessness and his despair uh, committed suicide. And, and Peter says, the reason why all this stuff happened was because of the Scriptures. The Scriptures said this was going to happen and also the Scriptures say that uh, we need to have 12. There, need to be, there needs to be 12 of us. Um, Jesus chose 12. One betrayed and went His way to where He was going. <clears throat> and, uh, but we need somebody to take His place. So under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, under the guidance of of their, the, the time of prayer, of the Scripture, and in accordance with the mission that they had, they chose another man to take their place. And they made a, a decision um, based on God's will through their Bible, through the mission, through prayer, and ultimately as a community, they made that decision together. So now we come to a point in the, in the story where, where the disciples get the power and I get the ability to actually do the mission. How many of you have ever been asked to do something and you said, I don't have the ability to do that? <laughs> that happens, right? It happens to each of us. Have you ever been asked, I want you to go run X number of miles, and you have to run it in this amount of time. And you've said, uh, I, I, I can't do that. I, I, I'm not able to do that. Or, uh, I remember a time, um, since I know we have, some, we have some CrossFitters here, I remember a time I was, I was uh, doing a, a workout of the day, and, and I realized um, there's just no way I'm going to do that. 
I don't have the ability to lift that amount of weight that many times. So, so what we do is, what we usually do is we say, well, we'll just scale that. We'll just scale it. We'll get, we'll get our workout in. We'll, we'll kind of do it, but we'll just scale it. That's, that works great if you're, if you're doing CrossFit or you're working out or you're getting exercise, you're doing that. But do, can, how about um, scaling the mission that God has for us? I wonder, can we, can we apply the same thing to that? I don't think that when Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth, he meant us to scale that workout. He meant for us to accomplish it. What we lack, what we lack is not the knowledge of the mission. What we lack is not um, the uh, the uh, uh, maybe the interest. <laughs> I hope we're all interested in accomplishing the mission. But what we lack, and what the disciples lacked, is power. The ability to do it. The ability to carry it out. I want, us to, I want to show you from this story this, that we're going to see today a couple of things. As we follow along the story, as we see what happened to the disciples here, and then what happened to their city, and what happened to the church, as a result, that we actually, can, we actually have here a, 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 a picture of how we can be enabled to do what we have been called to do. We can be enabled for the mission. We can be enabled. And then I want to show you that where you are right now and who you are in Christ, you already have the power and the ability to do it if we will be obedient to it. So, I'm going to read. This is a, a rather, uh, a rather long uh, portion of the Bible. So just sit back, buckle up. Here we go. I'm going to go ahead and read this whole passage, beginning um, chapter two, verse one, and I'm going to read all the way through verse forty-one, and then we'll just take a few um, things from the story, um, uh, unpack a few things afterwards. Okay. So here we go. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and... Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. 
or Arabians. We hear them telling in their own, in our own tongues, the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit. And they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to, you, say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up. And of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, Je this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the, the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, 
Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you will help us, help us understand what you want us to understand from this. I pray that you will give us insight. Lord, I pray that you will give us power by the Holy Spirit to not only understand, but also to, to obey, to walk in what you have called us to be and to do as a people. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. First thing we see here in this, in this uh, story is that an event takes place. The, uh, the apostles, as we saw, were gathered together. They were united in their prayers. They spent time together. They made godly decisions together based on God's will. And then here they are, um, at the day of Pentecost, um, boy, I, I wish I could dig in and give you everything um, and un overturn every stone in this passage, but since it's 41 verses, it will take quite a while to get all the way through it. So I'll just say this. Pentecost was one of the, one of the Jewish feasts. The Jews uh, celebrated um, Passover, and then Pentecost took place um, seven weeks later. Penta, seven. Uh, so seven weeks later, they celebrated Pentecost. And it was another of their Jewish festivals where um, all from, from, out, from throughout all the world, um, the Jews would gather together in Jerusalem and they would have this feast together at the temple and in Jerusalem. And, they, and when the day of Pentecost arrives, it says that... They were all together, the apostles were all together in one place, as well as Jewish people from all over the world were together in that one place. A very unique experience, a very unique time um, for, for the Spirit to arrive. See, look at some of the imagery here. A mighty rushing wind, a sound from heaven, it filled the house, um, fire. Um, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit as the Spirit gave them utterance. All of these are images that, the, that Luke's readers, the, those who are reading the book of Acts, would have thought, well, now where have we seen that before in the story? We've, we've seen clouds before, or we've seen a mighty wind before, we've seen fire before. They've, they've seen all of these things before because God shows His presence to His people through these very same um, kind of physical manifestations. And when, they, when Luke is writing these and he's describing what ha is happening, he's saying, don't you guys get it? God is in this place. This is God doing something. And then what do they do? They speak in tongues. Divided tongues, um, they appear on them. I don't know how that, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> you know, we, you've probably seen some images, maybe you've seen artwork from, uh, you know, the church history is so full of, of beautiful art, and you've seen some of the images of, you know, like a little flame um, flickering above their heads. Maybe it looked like that. I don't know. I'm not sure. But we know that something happened, and they saw the, the, the picture. They saw the, 
the event take place. And then they were filled with the Spirit and they actually spoke in other tongues. This word tongues is um, a scary word, um, especially for Baptists. Would you agree? Yes? Okay, thank you. So, so we're, we're reading this, and we're reading it happened at Pentecost, and then that's making us think of the term Pentecostal, and then we're talking about tongues, and then um, what you're expecting me to do probably is to explain um, how this wasn't like what goes on in a lot of Pentecostal churches today. I don't know if you're waiting for me to do that or not, but um, all I'm going to say is, here's what happened. The Holy Spirit came upon the apostles and they began to speak in other languages. That's what happened. Now, what languages were these? All I can say is that the, the Parthians, the Medes, the Elamites, the people of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, uh, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Cyrene, Rome, uh, Cretans, and Arabians. Um, I, I think I pronounced most of those right. Um... They all heard them speaking in their languages. It doesn't really doesn't say what language they were speaking. It says they were speaking in other languages, other tongues. And that all of these people from all over the known world representing essentially what Luke is saying is every language group that was known at the time is represented right there. And they're all hearing this, the message from the apostles in their language. It was a miracle. A miracle took place. They heard the message. And they were amazed and they were perplexed. <laughs> they thought, this is amazing stuff. And they thought, how in the world is this happening? How are we hearing what they have to say in our own language? When God calls you to witness, He's going to empower you to witness. The people around us, most of the people around us, are speaking the same language as us. Right? There are, there are, there are, we have a lot of Spanish-speaking people in the valley. And doggone it, if my year of Spanish in high school and my year of Spanish in college didn't help me uh, communicate with any of them. You know, I can, I can ask where the bathroom is and maybe um, identify an apple in, in the Spanish language. But that's about it. But most of the people that live around us are speaking the same language as us. I wonder if they're hearing what we have to say. I wonder if we are communicating, if we're speaking the message in such a way that they will go, so that's what that's all about. So that's why that event takes place. So that's why you gather together every Sunday and worship with your church family. So that's why you're in community together. So that's why you're loving me and blessing me. That's why you're doing these, these good deeds in our community. So that's why you're volunteering in the school, in the park, in the city. What did the what did the people from all over the world hear? What did they hear? 
Don't miss this. Verse 11. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. How, how often do you declare the mighty works of God? How often do the mighty works of God, past and present, and, and our hope, <laughs> future hope, how often do those kinds of words come off of our lips? Maybe, maybe we feel like we're not able to witness. We don't have the power to witness. We, uh, we're, we're not the disciples here. We don't have tongues of fire over us. Um, we can't speak in other languages. We, we don't have a way to... This kind of thing isn't happening for us uh, here in my house, in my home, or in my community, uh, missional community, or, or my church. And so we don't really have an event to explain. The answer actually comes <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the way that Peter asked the people to respond, ultimately. And the, the same thing that Peter asked them to do in response to the message that they heard is the same thing that is required of us. The same thing that's required of us so that we can be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be on mission for Him in every area of our lives. Before we get fully to that point, let's just see what, how Peter explained it. Peter was a Bible man. <laughs> Peter loved God's Word. Peter knew God's Word. If you think that all it takes is some uh, special um, uh, spiritual event to take place in your life in order to help you to have the kind of boldness or the kind of, of ex be able to explain things like Peter explains things. I think we're missing the fact that Peter was in seminary with Jesus for three years. He was in training. He was learning from the Master. And as a good Jewish boy, he spent his Sabbaths in the synagogue being taught God's Word. So when this event happened, Peter knew exactly what was going on. And he pointed the people to Joel, the prophet Joel, one of those small little Old Testament prophetic books that we hardly ever read because we don't understand a word of it until we get to this point. And then we say, well, this sounds kind of familiar. This sounds like something I've heard before because it's here in Acts. But, but Peter explains what's going on around them and what was going on to the disciples as what God said would happen. And he based it on God's Word. 
He based it on God's Word. And he said, this, this spiritual thing that's happening, this Holy Spirit event that's taking place, is what God said would happen. And then, the, the result of what God said would happen, all of these cosmic imageries and the, the signs and the heavens and on the earth and the sun turned to darkness and the moon to blood. And he said this, It shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This stuff is happening so that you can be saved. This love that we are showing you is happening because we want you to get saved. We're, we are here to bless this city and this community because we want you to hear about Jesus. He's the Lord and we want you to be saved. That's what he was saying. And they said, Okay, well, wait a minute. That Joel thing was, was the Lord Yahweh. That was, that was Yahweh calling upon the name of Yahweh, God. But, but, but look, what, look what Peter does next. He, he goes from, from showing them how, it, how everything took place um, through the, the fulfillment of God's Word till, to the actual gospel message. And notice the kinds of things he says about the gospel and he says about Jesus. That he says, now, uh, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay, so let's start talking about Jesus. Let's start talking about Jesus now. He did these mighty works. He did these signs. As you yourselves know, because you heard the stories and many of you were here um, five weeks ago at uh, uh, Passover. And you were here then too, and you heard him, and you saw him. And in fact, he rose from the dead. It didn't happen uh, as accident. It wasn't a, a hidden thing. It wasn't a secret spiritual thing. It was a real life, honest to God, in the flesh resurrection. This Jesus was delivered up by the plan of God, crucified and killed, and God raised him up because it wasn't possible for him to lie dead, because David said in the Psalms that you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. Who is this Holy One? Who is this person that, that, that the Lord was talking about? Um, and, and that David said this Holy One was the Messiah, the Promised One, the fulfillment of all of Israel's hopes and dreams. And then look what he says next. He says, Brothers, David died, and he was buried. Okay? We could be confident in that. We know he lived. We know he died. He's got a tomb here. You can walk to his tomb and you can see where he's buried. At least, at least you could in... in uh, uh, A.D. 33-ish. But he saw God, God inspired him to, re, to uh, uh, re, re inspired him to speak about the Christ and about his resurrection. And that he wasn't just going to uh, rise from the dead, but what was he going to do after that? He was going to sit down at the right hand of God. This Jesus lived, this Jesus died, this Jesus rose again, but then He ascended. And where is He now? He's at God's right hand. As David said, the Lord said to my Lord, 
Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Jesus has a real body. <laughs> he has a resurrection body. Where is he now? He's not in our midst. But he still has his real, his real resurrection body. I don't know, maybe, maybe some, the metaphysicists are right. That there are multiple dimensions to the universe. Or maybe there are an infinite number of universes and that God's there somewhere and Jesus and His physical body was transported out of this existence and He still lives at the right hand of God. He's still there. I don't know how that works, but I do know this. He said He's going to come again. We have that hope. We have that promise. And we have the Word of, of God to tell us where He's at. So then Peter gets to the point. So, here's the point, folks, of this message. This is my paraphrase. This Jesus, who died, who you killed, this Jesus is Lord. He is Lord of all. This Jesus is the promise fulfilled. Christ, the Messiah. So what are you going to do about it? That was basically his point. What are you going to do about it? Well, they, they asked, what shall we do? And l listen carefully to what Peter said to them. Repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Turn away from your sinful life Turn away from the old beliefs, the old ways of thinking about your life and about your existence. Repent of those things and turn your attention now to Jesus. Believe in Him. Believe on Him and be obedient to Him. Be baptized as a sign. Be baptized as a sign of your forgiveness of sins. And then what's going to happen? What did he say would happen to them? You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This, this event at Pentecost that happened with the apostles, the Holy Spirit coming on him, while, while it may, the Holy Spirit coming into our lives may look different and may have a slightly different manifestation, the events, the, the details of the event may look different. I haven't seen the... the, the licks of tongues happen. I, I haven't been empowered to speak in other languages. But He promises them that they will receive the promise from the Father. They will receive the Holy Spirit. And look who this promise is for. It's not just for the rest of the Jewish people. That's what He was saying. This is for you and your children, and all who are far off. Everyone. Everyone whom... Oh, now this is interesting. It doesn't say everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, but everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Himself. That's an interesting way of putting it. So what are we to do? They responded with all of this stuff, and uh, they responded by receiving the Word. 
They responded by repenting and demonstrating that repentance through baptism. And it says there were 3,000 souls, 3,000 persons, 3,000 people joined the church that very day. Yikes, that's a church growth plan. I, I got an idea. Why don't we, why don't we, why don't we uh, uh, grow the church by being together in prayer all the time being faithful to make decisions based on God's Word, knowing it, pointing it, explaining everything that it happens to us, everything in our life based on His Word, telling people the Gospel, having the, the, the mighty works of God on our tongues and our lips, and just see what happens. And see what happens. Hmm. He said to save yourselves from this crooked generation. Don't be deceived by that. Peter's not saying you have the ability to save yourself. You make good decisions, you'll save yourself, your life will be good, and you'll go to heaven. He's saying do something about the path that you're on. Respond to Jesus before it's too late. When he said this crooked generation, what he really, what he really meant was the people that you live among, the world that you live in, is crooked. It's wicked. It's depraved. It's on a highway to hell. That's where it's going. <laughs> and when you get there, it's not going to be a party. It's not going to be a good times with your friends. That's not, where it's, that's, not, that's not the ultimate end. The ultimate end is destruction. The ultimate end is a lot of pain, a lot of misery. Save yourselves by responding to Jesus. Responding to His offer of salvation. And you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians, the Apostle Paul wrote this. Do not be drunk or filled with wine but instead be filled or drunk with the Holy Spirit. There's a way in which we, when we come to Christ and we, and we put our faith in Christ and we repent and believe in Him, the Holy Spirit does come upon us. And I pray you would have some really crazy, you know, experience when that happens and that you can say, Holy cow, this is what the Holy Spirit did when I put my faith in Christ. I hope that happens. I hope it happens at the moment of salvation. I hope it happens many times beyond that. But you can know with confidence that if you have put your faith in Christ and you love God, your Heavenly Father, and you want to serve Him and you want to follow Him, no matter how bad you are, no matter how screwed up you get, the Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you, but but Paul said to be filled with the Holy Spirit because you know what we can do is we can let sin and our own brokenness define us. We can let sin into, those, into our hearts and we can give it residency and we can say, hang out here and just kind of chill. You know, I've got a spare room for you. Um, sin, you can kind of hang out there. But look, you know, try not to bother my holy place that I have in my life. Sin doesn't do that, though. Sin 
Sin comes in and it's, it's the worst roommate you've ever had. And before you know it, it's all over. It's taken over everything. It's in your kitchen, it's in your living room, it's in your, it's in your bedroom, it's in your bathroom. It's in every area of your life. How are we to be filled with the Holy Spirit when we're drunk on our own pleasures? When we're drunk on not just wine, but if I can use, if I can expand wine out from there to, to basically express anything and everything that is trying to, to take um, its place, it, God's rightful place, Jesus' rightful place in your life. What's the answer for us? Repentance. Baptism. Obedience. Do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? We are not able to accomplish the mission that God has given us. Without His power, we're not able. This is an amazing story. This is awesome. And this can happen here. It can happen in and among us. As we repent. As we look to Him. As we... I'm just going to share this, this, this image with you if, you, if you'll bear with me. We, um, a couple of us, some of us are going through a, a study called Life on Mission. And... Um, as we were reading through some of it, um, the, the group that I'm with, um, we recognized some, uh, an interesting illustration that was used in, in the middle of the study. Reminding us that brokenness, the kind of pain and hurt and, and the problems that we all experience, the, the kind of the human, the human condition of brokenness that's universal, is only a symptom of the real problem. The real problem is that we all have a disease. The real problem is sin. And it's a disease that we can't get rid of. Now, we, you, you can treat the symptoms and feel pretty good for a while. I mean, God's given us a lot of grace to be able to do a, a lot of symptom treating, but it's not going to cure the disease. The only thing that's going to cure the disease is Jesus. That's it. Amen? That's it. And the, the thing is, when we come to faith in Christ, we have Jesus. Uh, my, my sin is cured. Well, then why am I still experiencing, why am I still experiencing these effects? Why am I still experiencing the effects of sin? Why am I still experiencing brokenness? I... You might want to ask a cancer patient who has gone through the treatments to try to cure whatever problem that he or she had. Ask them if there are some effects that are lingering. Some of the effects are God may just, just cut out parts of our body. Say, 
it's so diseased by sin, you need to get rid of that. And we said, well, I, that, that's not going to, I'm not going to be a whole person anymore if I, if I repent of that, if I get rid of that part of my life, I won't be whole, I won't be complete anymore. I won't be, I won't be like other people. But you'll be exactly what God wants you to be. Get that sin out of there. Let the surgeon do the job. Whether we are in Christ now, have been for many years, or we're new to following Christ, the answer is repentance. The solution is for us to repent and receive the grace from God that only He can give. I want to, st- I want to challenge us to respond to that personally. And I want us to challenge us to make that the message that is on our lips. To make that the witness of our lives, of every part of our lives. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for... We thank you, God, for um, this time that we have out in your creation, enjoying um, the beauty that you have put here for us to be filled with joy and, and, and to also point to you and to glorify you. We thank you for this word and this message this morning. We ask that you will, uh, God, um, plant it deep in our hearts like a seed. May it bear much fruit. God, may we humble ourselves, repent, and um, God, be used by you to, uh, to be faithful on mission. God, there is nothing greater, nothing greater than the mission that you have given us. Nothing that will give us more joy and satisfaction than obedience to you and faithfully living out the call of God that you have on our lives. Nothing. What must we do? Repent and be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit from you and turn away from the patterns around us, the way other people live, the way the world says we must live and be content and satisfied with you. Father, I love you, and we pray all of these things for your glory and in your name. Amen. Would you um, stand with me? We're going to go into a time of, of response this morning, and um, um, part of our response this morning is going to be to come forward and to receive, um, we receive really... Um, uh, the grace that God offers us through the bread and the cup. Um, when Jesus, uh, when Jesus was uh, the night before, it says the night before he was uh, betrayed, he uh, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. That when we um, take 
the the this well this little cracker or this little wafer that represents um, the bread it it's it's Jesus body that we are participating in as a community and when he said in the same way also he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant of my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me that as we take that that cup we are remembering Jesus blood remembering the blood that he shed for us he says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. So this meal is, um, is not simply a, uh, a I'm doing this and I'm personally reminded of, of Jesus' death and His coming again, but it's actually a proclamation that as we do it as a body, we are proclaiming together as one community that we are in Christ and that He is in us and that this is where we stand, in Christ. Because of His sacrifice for us, He has given us a new covenant, a new way to the Father. And we anticipate Him coming again, just as He ascended. Amen. So we're going to do that, and we're, what I'm going to ask you to do is as the music plays, um, you, I'm just going to invite you to come up, maybe as a family or um, as an individual, and participate um, here by simply taking the bread and drinking the cup. You can do that right here at the table, and uh, then be dismissed, and there's no rush, there's no hurry. Um, if there's a line, so be it. Um, we're all here together. And it's a and we're a community participating in the bread and the cup. So um, let's let's uh, sing and respond.